Isaiah 43. I'm going to start in verse... I'm going to start in verse 15. The Bible says this. It says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power. He said, they, they, are, they lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. He says, but do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old, because behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I, I love this because there's there's a, I love the different translations of the Bible. And one of them puts it like this. He says, he says, forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Is there anybody in the room today grateful that God wants to do a new thing in your life? Not just because it's going to be a new year, but I'm not waiting till January to walk into the new thing. <laughs> Come on, that God has for me. There's still three days left in 2019, and I want God to begin something new in my life today. Can you give him praise that he wants to do? Not only does he want to do, but he is doing something new in your life. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Ask that over these next few moments, you would speak a word to us that would change us forever. Thank you for bringing us here today in your house. Uh, there's no place we'd rather be. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everyone said, amen. I say there's no place we'd rather be, but I think um, if you're a Tennessee fan, you'd probably rather be at a bowl game winning um, this year. But anyhow, that's, that's neither here nor there. Hey, listen, you know, one thing I found out about all of us is that I think we all like change. I think we all like it. I just don't think that we all like change that we didn't initiate. I think you like change. I, I, think, I don't think there's really anybody in the room who doesn't like change. I, I just think most of us don't like change. We don't initiate. And the problem with that mentality is that God doesn't just have the ability to restore. God has the ability to give you something you've never had before. And there are a lot of people in this room that, and, and I think you should. I think you should pray for God to restore things, to redeem things, uh, to bring back things that you've lost. I love it that we serve a God that... He can go into the enemy's camp and take back, come on, all the stuff that the enemy stole from us. But sometimes we're waiting on God to restore an old thing and God is trying to do something brand new. It's like when, uh, uh, when Mary and Martha were upset with Jesus because they did, he didn't heal Lazarus. Jesus comes to them after Lazarus is already dead and they're like, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Um, He's, he's, he's trying to do something that's, that's not been done before, which is to raise someone from the dead who's been dead for four days. She wanted him to do a healing. He wanted to do a resurrection. And so for, for some of you, you're, you're asking God to do something, and God is wanting to, to do something, and he is doing something. But Isaiah said, I'm doing a new thing. Do, do you not see it? 
In other words, God is trying to, to tell you whether, whether you like it or not, I'm doing new things. I know you don't like change you didn't initiate, but I'm, I'm gonna do it whether you like it or not. Are you going to participate? Are you gonna be a part of it? Are you even gonna see it or are you going to miss what I'm doing because you're looking for me to do it in a way that I've done it before? And I think there are a lot of people in the room today that, that are stuck. They're stuck. And, and we look for 2020 to come because we think something magical happens between 11.59 on December 31st and 12 a.m. on January 1st. And we get excited and we, we make all of these resolutions and then we get into 2020 and start to realize that it's just a continuation of 2019 and nothing is really changing. And we, we start to see life uh, from this perspective of, I guess this is kind of the way it's gonna be. I guess this is kind of the way I'm gonna have to live. I guess this is kind of what I'm going to have to deal with. And we keep waiting and praying for God to restore things. And God is looking at us saying, hey, I'm trying to do a brand new thing. Is there anybody in the room just ready for something new? You're, you're just ready for something new, something that has no root in your history, something that you don't have the stats for, that you don't have the experience for, something that just comes along and kind of takes you into a place that you have never been before, things you have never experienced before, things about God that you have never known before. I'm a little bit like the disciples who were on the boat and they were on the boat in the middle of the storm and Jesus came to them and he didn't come to them in a form they had ever seen him in before because when they looked at Jesus, they thought he was a ghost. I'm ready for 2020 to be a year I look at God and I'm a little bit scared because of the new stuff that God is doing in my life and the new ways that he's revealing himself to me in my life. I, I almost, is there anybody you just, there's a part of you that just wants to be just, just kind of scared again, just like, just kind of in awe again, just kind of mesmerized again, just unsure again. I'm at a place in my life where I'm just like, I'm tired of knowing how every day is gonna start, every day is gonna end. Like, I really want God to do something new. Is there anybody in the room today wanna make a little bit of noise and just say, God, I'm ready for you to do something new, even if it scares me a little bit. They said, it's a ghost. <laughs> I love that because God, whenever he wants to do something new, he's gonna show you himself in a way you've never seen him before. So don't just trust in God to get you to restore what you had. Trust in a God who can give you what you've never had. Hallelujah. New is hard. New is hard because, again, new is scary. Uh, new is something, like we just said, we don't have the stats for. We don't have a history for. We can't, we can't pull on our experience for new things because we don't have the experience for this. And very often... We miss God because, because God is like, like a new pair of shoes sometimes. Have you ever gotten a new pair of shoes and uh, you put that new pair of shoes on and they're not like your old shoes? 
They, they, they give you a blister the first time you wear them. They, they take a while to break in. It's because they are new. And most of us resist new because renew, because new is, is uncomfortable. New causes us to, to be rubbed the wrong way. New causes us to feel some things that we haven't felt before. New causes us to be sore in places we've never been sore before. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever tried to start working out again and now all of a sudden you're unable to brush your teeth that, that evening or the next morning or you did a leg workout and you tried to get up out of your chair and you were like, I cannot move right now. There... There, there are things that God wants to do that, that are like new shoes. They're uncomfortable. They might give you blisters. They might hurt a little bit. They might make you sore. But God is into doing new things. And I want to challenge you to not miss God. Because you think he is still where you last saw him. See, in Luke chapter 24, when Jesus is risen from the dead, some people come to see Jesus. And the angel Asked him a question. He says, why are you here? Why are you seeking the living among the dead? He, he is risen. And see, the thing about a tomb uh, in, in this day was it would have been a hole in, in a mountain, almost like a cave. And the tomb would have been down. It would have been dug into the ground. And to look, to find Jesus, you would have had to get down on your hands and knees or you'd had to walk into the tomb and look down. And the angel is literally saying, you're looking too low. He is risen. Your eyes are looking in the wrong direction. Could it be that, that the only thing you need to, to change so that you could see what God is doing is just change the direction you're looking at? You're looking down and the angel is saying, you need to look up. He is, he is risen. He isn't here anymore. He's not here anymore. He's risen. <laughs> so many people keep going back to the last place they saw him. And, and God is trying to tell you, hey, I'm not there anymore. Some people in this room are still waiting for God to do what he did in 1965 and 1970 and 1983 and 1991. And God is looking at you and saying, I'm not there anymore. Some of you are still trying to get God to restore something that you lost. And God is saying, I'm not in that anymore. I'm not there anymore. And I, I want to encourage you today to start to look for the new thing. Mark 7 and 13 says, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do a lot of stuff like that, he says. So many things we're missing about God is because we keep and hang on to our traditions. We think God is in something and God says, sometimes God was never even in it, much less not being there anymore. God was never in your tradition. God was always, see, this is the thing we forget to understand about God. The Bible tells us in Acts 17, it says that for in him we live and we move and we have our being. The Bible teaches us that the word of God is it's it's living and active. In other words, it's it's moving. It's it's always it's always going in in a direction. It's it's never just stagnant. It's always moving forward in your life. God is never still. It's us. It's us that are still. When the children of Israel were delivered out of Egypt, Moses, they were afraid because of what was happening. And Moses turned to the people and he said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And then he goes and he talks to God and he says, God, what do you want us to do? And God looks at him and says, why are you standing still? I told you to move. 
and there are so many people in the room, you're wondering, where is God? And God's like, I'm over here. I'm waiting on you to move. I'm just gonna stand still. I'm just gonna hunker down. I'm just gonna hang on until Jesus returns. That is not the life God has called for you to live. He's called you to live a life that is living, that is active, that is moving. It's it's a, it's a spiritual life, and the spirit is compared to the wind. And the wind, it blows, and it moves things, and it's, it's constantly moving. It's constantly moving. God is never changing in the sense that his character never changes, but his methods are always changing. I can tell you one thing about God, that God is predictably unpredictable. I can't tell you how he's going to do what he's going to do in 2020. I just know that he's going to do something. Will you see it? Will you see it? So we get stuck. And I think it's natural. You see it through scripture and you see it in our lives. You see it where people, they get stuck. And the tendency is to want to return to what's familiar, isn't it? We get out, we, we, we get to moving, and then we kind of find ourselves, you know, I'm, I'm 41 years old. And I would have thought at this point in my life, I would have had a whole lot more interaction with quicksand. You know, when I was growing up, quicksand was in every cartoon and every movie. Everybody was always getting trapped in quicksand, and I've never encountered quicksand in my entire life. I just used to have this fear of quicksand. My car was going to get in it. But, but how many of you know that life has a way of doing that? You might not be in like literal quicksand, but life has a way of, of trapping you and getting you stuck, and you have this sinking feeling. And the natural tendency to when you're sinking or when you're stuck or when you can't move is to go back to what's familiar. Peter when Jesus was being crucified and he didn't understand what was going on and he felt like everything that he had given his life to had just been taken from him, what did Peter do? He says, hey, I'm going fishing. He went back. And sometimes we go back to even destructive things, even things that are hurting us. The children of Israel, when they get out of Egypt and into the wilderness, they wanna go back. They're like, why'd you bring us all the way out here? At least back there we knew. Why? Because it's familiar, but what God wants to do in your life, I want to tell you something, isn't familiar. The new thing that God wants to do in your life is unfamiliar. And here's the way to begin to see what God is doing. When you look at the scripture in Luke, where Jesus is risen from the dead, and he says, the angel says, hey, he's not here, he's risen. Not only did Jesus get up, but watch this. Jesus got out. And I wonder if your problem isn't that you, that you haven't gotten up. What if it's that you haven't gotten out? What if you're up, you're just not out? Out is your responsibility. Up is his. When, when Lazarus died, what did Jesus do? He comes to the tomb and Jesus says, Lazarus, when he spoke his name, Lazarus got up. But he said, Lazarus, come forth or come out. It's not enough for you to get up. You need to get out. Look to your neighbor and say, it's time for me to get out. It's time for me to get out. I've, I'm up, but it's time for me to get out. And I'm believing that 2020 is the year where you don't just get up, but you get out. Can somebody say amen? 
I'm getting out and I'm getting all the way out. I'm getting all the way out. He didn't just get up, he got out. Sometimes whenever you find yourself in, in a place where you feel stuck or you feel uh, you're, in a, you're in a cycle or you feel like time is moving but you aren't. You ever felt that way? Like things are changing but you aren't. Time is moving forward but you can't. Time is moving, but your relationships are stuck. Time is moving, but you're still stuck in a job you don't want to be in. You, time is moving, but you're still stuck in a place you don't want to be in. And you say stuff like, I thought by this time. You feel trapped in a cycle. You feel like what was a season has now become a cycle. It's because you're up, but you're not out. So how, how, do, I, how, do, I, how do I get out? I'm gonna give you this thought today. If you don't take notes about anything else, I want you to take notes on this. What was a season will become a cycle if you don't set a deadline. I want you to write this down. What was a season will become a cycle if you don't set a deadline. Jesus, before he went into the grave, Jesus said, John chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, they're asking Jesus. He's making a lot of declarations, and they asked him, by what authority... Do you make these kind of declarations? Under whose authority do you make these kind of declarations? Jesus says, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will rebuild it. Jesus put a time limit on a season so that a season didn't become a cycle. Somebody needs to hear me like, there, there has to be a time limit to what you're going through. You cannot keep grieving forever. You cannot stay there forever. You need to put a time limit on it before you get into it so that you know the time's up, it's time for me to get out. Because you can be in it in a season that it becomes a cycle if you don't set a time limit. And you gotta know, like, in, in a month from now, if this hasn't changed, then I'm out. Some of y'all need to set some deadlines so that some stuff can really change in your life. Or you will stay connected to something God has tried to disconnect you from a long time ago. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 1, the Lord comes to Samuel and he says, Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Samuel is upset because God has rejected Saul as king. And now he's in mourning because of it. And God says, I've rejected him as king of Israel. He says, watch this, he says, fill your horn with oil and get on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. In other words, God is saying, I've moved on from Saul. I need you to move on from Saul. 
it is really quiet up in this charismatic Baptocostal church right now. I'm telling you something. There are some things that you are stuck in, not because God wants you to stay there, but because you refuse to leave. And God is looking at you this morning. He's saying, I need you to not only get up, but I need you to get out. I want you to stop mourning over that lost relationship. I want you to stop mourning over what happened in 2019. And I want you to move into the new thing that I'm starting in your life. Fill your horn with oil and move. It's time for you to move. They were amazed at David. David's child had died. But they had been believing for a miracle. And they come to David. He's been in mourning. He's been in Old Testament, sackcloth and ashes. He's been just kind of having a morning session. And they come to him and they say, Dave, the baby is gone. And the Bible says that he washes his face and he moves on. And they look and they're like, how are you? How are you doing that? He said, well, he's gone. I can't do anything about it. But I can do something about seeing him again. See, there, 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 there are so many people in this room today, and you are stuck. And you are up, but you just refuse to get out. You've gotten comfortable with your grave clothes. You've gotten comfortable surrounded by dead things. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? You're comfortable around dead stuff. It's comfortable for you to go back into bondage. Why? Because at least in bondage, you knew who your friends were. At least in bondage, you knew where your meals were coming from. But when you walk out into the wilderness, now you're living by faith. My friendships are a thing of faith. My finances are a thing of faith. My relationships are, it's about faith. <laughs> Dr. Henry Cloud said this. He said this in a book he, he, he wrote called Necessary Endings. He said, entrances into new seasons must be preceded by exits from old ones. You cannot walk into anything new if you are afraid to walk out of something old. <laughs> this is what happens to us very often. Mark chapter 16. The Bible says that, uh, that Mary, she goes to the tomb to see Jesus. And she's on her way. And the person she's with, they start to have a conversation. And Mark says this. He says, they look at each other and they ask each other this question. They said, well, when we get there, uh, who's going to roll the stone away? They're, they're moving forward. They're walking towards, towards Jesus. They've, they've made up in their mind. They're going towards something. But in their, heart, in their heart and in their head, they start to think and they start to ask each other the question, well, when we get there, who's going who's gonna to move the stone? Not realizing that the stone's already been rolled away. What if, what if you are asking the same question, but instead of continuing your walk to the tomb, you start to ask these questions, well, well who's gonna, how's this going to, what's going to, and you start to ask these questions instead of continuing that walk. You, that, I can't do it. I don't see how it's going to get done. And instead of walking towards the tomb to see that the stone has already been rolled away, you turn and you walk back until you get what is necessary to go. God's, what if God is saying, 
if you would walk, I've already removed the obstacle. See, the problem is never with God's ability to move stuff. The problem is our ability to walk. God's never in the place where he's like, ah, that's just, that's something I can't do. That's something I can't accomplish. God never says that. But we wonder, don't we? How's that gonna, I, God, I know you said to, but there, I, I don't have the, I didn't go to, I don't know. We start to ask these questions to ourselves and then to each other. And we look at each other like, well, there's nobody there. We're not strong enough to roll it away. So let's go, let's go find somebody that is. Not knowing that in our relationship, God does the heavy lifting. Come on, is there anybody in the room grateful that God does all of the heavy lifting? My only responsibility is to walk towards the thing that he said he would move for me. <laughs> Man, who's gonna move the stone? Let me give you just a few things to recognize that God is doing something new. How to recognize new things are coming into your life. Because Isaiah said, hey, I'm doing something new. Not just I'm going to, but I am. Do you see it? So the problem isn't, God, can you do something? God, could you move? God, could you? Problem with, is with our sight. Can, can you see it? I'm doing it. Can you see it? Let me just give you just a few ways to recognize. And you're like, here's how you know God is doing something brand new. First thing, a loss of control. This is how you know God is doing something new because God is trying to change the vehicle. God is trying to change the method. When you start to feel like you lose control, it means God is trying to change the method. It's, it's like when you, when you, if you get in your car and you drive to California, you can get there, but it's gonna take you a couple days to get there. But if you get in a plane and fly to California, you can be there in four and a half hours. But you don't get to fly the plane. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? One of the reasons I hate flying is because I'm not in control. It's not that I think I can fly the plane better. It's just that I'm not flying the plane at all. It's just that I don't have my hand on the steering wheel. And God is trying to, t God is trying to take you into new things, but you won't go into new things because you want to maintain control. And what God has to do is he has to strip you of all control. And the way God strips you of all control is he causes you to lose stuff that you thought you had control over. You thought you were in control of your money and then you lost it. You thought you were in control of your livelihood and then you lost your job. You thought you were in control of your relationships and then you lost it. And God is trying to say, hey, I, I, the reason you are losing control is because I'm trying to change the method. And I have to change the method because I have to do this the way I want to do this. And I'm trying, and, and watch this. Anytime God try, is changing the method, he's trying to accelerate what he's trying to do in your life. I just believe that 2020 is gonna be a year where God accelerates his plan in your life. If you'll let him, if you'll let him change methods, if you'll let him switch up the vehicle, if you'll let him take you from a car to a plane, God can do a whole lot more in your life. Can somebody say amen? It's a loss of control. 
It's a loss of control. Matthew 14, when Peter walks on the water, they've been stuck in that boat all night long. They've been pushing against the wind and pushing against the waves, and they aren't going anywhere. And here comes Jesus just walking across the thing that they're stuck in. Just moving freely in the thing that they can't move at all in. And Peter says, in order for me to move like you, I've got to do what you're doing. So I've got to change vehicles. I got to get out of this boat and onto the water like you. Some of you, it's not a matter of does God want to do something in my life. God is doing something in your life. You just got to change vehicles. So a loss of control. Second thing, a disruption of your plans. We've talked about this a lot lately. We talked about it last week with Mary and with Joseph. They think their life is gonna look like one thing. It ends up looking like something completely different. Anytime God is disrupting your plans, it doesn't mean he's mad at you or he's frustrated with you. No, he's just trying to do something better in your life. The Old Testament says that, hey, many are the plans of men. Men are gonna always have plans. You're gonna always have a plan. But it says, but it's the Lord's will that will be established. In order for the Lord's will to be established, he's gonna have to disrupt your plans. Plan. So anytime you see God disrupting your plan, anytime you, you had a, I have a five-year goal or a 10-year goal or I thought my life would look like this by now, what, what it is, it's a sign for you. Don't lose faith. Come on, get your courage up. Get your strength up. Get your faith up because it means that God is moving in your life. He's disrupting your plans because he's trying to establish his plan. That's good news for you. Third thing is a loss of resources. A loss of resources. In 1 Kings chapter 17, starting in verse 3, the Bible says this. God speaks to Elijah the prophet, and he says, hey, I want you to leave here. Turn eastward. Hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. He said, I want you to go to Zarephath. There's a widow. Now watch this. What if you're asking God to do a miracle that God doesn't want to do? Watch, watch this. In 1 Kings 17 here, he He's feeding him with ravens. Like ravens are literally dropping food off to him every day. But the Bible says the brook dried up. Do you not think that the same God who made ravens bring food could also make water flow in this brook? But he didn't. Why? Because he wanted him to move. Could it be that you're asking God to do something God doesn't want to do? Could it be that you're asking God to fill up a brook that he doesn't want to fill up? He has the ability to do it, but he doesn't want to do it. Why? Because he wants you to move on. He said, I'm changing the method. And the word of the Lord came to him. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Then the word of the Lord came to him. What do I need more of in 2019? Do I need more money? Do I need more connections? Do I need more relationships? No, you need more of the word of the Lord. Can somebody say amen? The Center for Bible Engagement came up with, they, they did a study on over 400,000 people of faith. And they found out that when a person gets, to, there's, there's a thing called the threshold of four. 
There's a thing called the threshold of force. You have to hear this. When a person engages in the word of the Lord four times a week or more, they are 228% more likely to share their faith. They are 30% less likely to feel depressed and alone. When they engage their Bible, the word of the Lord, four or more times a week. This is, it's a strange phenomenon because it's not once, it's not twice, it's not three times, but at the fourth time, something shifts into it not just being something that you, 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 you go to church and you hear a message or, or, or you read your Bible on Monday because you feel enough of it from Sunday, you still feel the leftover. But somebody on Wednesday gets in the word of God and then sometime on Thursday, they're so desperate, they get back in it again. And then on Friday, if they will just four times, four times a week. This is not, this is not super spiritual. This is very practical. The Center for Bible Engagement, you can look it up. There are all kinds of stats, and so many things begin to shift the more you engage the word of God. So the word of the Lord came to him. How am I going to see what God wants to do in my life, the word of the Lord? How am I going to know where God wants to take me, the word of the Lord? And the more you read the word of God, the more you, you can hear him when he speaks, because you recognize how he talks. Like if I, if, I, if I read his book, see, when you, when you read the New Testament, you can, you can really tell who the author is because of how they talk. You can, you can tell, okay, Paul wrote this. That's why most people believe that Paul probably wrote the book of Hebrews because it sounds a lot like Paul, even though nobody is, is, is said to be the author. A lot of people are like, it has to be Paul because it sounds like stuff Paul would say. And, and that's the way God wants it. He wants you to read him enough so that when he talks, you know what he sounds like. But some of us don't know what he sounds like because we haven't read him enough. Loss of, loss of resources. Some people think that I'm losing resources because God's mad at me. God wasn't mad at Elijah. He just wanted him to go somewhere else. He just wanted him to, to change Change locations, that's it. Let me give you the fourth thought. Fourth thought is this, relationship changes. This is a sign that God's trying to do something new. Relationships ending, relationships starting. Watch this, relationships peaking. Sometimes some people can only take you so far. And it's not that the relationship needs to end, it's just the relationship has run its course. It's peaked. I mean, some of, some of my friends, the best, the furthest our relationship will ever go is that we can watch a football game together and, you know, fist bump, play some golf together. But that's as far as that relationship can go. That's, that's its peak. It, it's, it doesn't mean I need to get rid of it. It just needs, I, I, means that relationship has run its course and, and I, need to, I need to develop some new relationships that are gonna take me into some new things. You always need people in your life that are where you want to be. Relationship change. Will we stand with me today? I wanna pray for you because I'm really... I'm really believing, and this is, this is so, 
this is so cheesy, and I told myself I wouldn't do it, and I told the staff I would not do this. I, I said we are not gonna do it. We are not those people. But they said, hey man, we should, 2020 should be a year of clarity. I said, I'm not doing it. It's too cheesy. 2020 vision. I'm just not. I'm not. Yes, I am. I'm doing it. I just believe with all my heart. 2020, it's, it's not 2020 for no reason at all. I believe that God, if you look at the Bible, God's into numbers. So let's just go ahead and tell, say it like it is. I, I just believe that this year is going to be a year of extreme clarity where God doesn't ask you, do you see it? I think God is going to ask you the question, do you like what you see? How does it look? How does this change in perspective look? So I want to, I want to, I want to believe that 2020 is going to be a year where I'm not being asked, do you see it? It's going to be a year where God is looking at me saying, how do you like, how do you like what you see? Come on, man. Has anybody received that today?